Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 16 of In the Trenches, a podcast about technology, technical training, workforce development, building our communities, and creating effective learning experiences. I'm Eric Ward, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Vanderpool. In this episode, we talk about creative problem solving, creative problem solvers, and how to build a workplace environment that fosters creative approaches to solving problems. Let's get over to the show. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing really well. It is a little bit of clouds this morning, but the sun is coming out. The yep. pool opens this weekend. Uh, holiday is here. Uh, school's out for summer. Um, so all kinds of hijinks and little Is that a little Alice Cooper reference that you yes. had there? Yes. Nice. You like that? And, and also uh, simultaneously Daisy Confused uh, as yeah. well. The One of my favorite uh, end of school type movies, right? right my on. summer probably won't be that adventurous as theirs, but... Uh, uh, we will be at the pool. We're going to do a Florida trip this summer, and I'm hoping to be able to um, build some creative problem solvers myself. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. So well, that's cool. So we we throw around creative problem solving a lot, um, but I don't know. Sometimes we talk around it. I don't know if we necessarily really define it, right? So well, what are is- what in like in your mind when you're talking about, you know, um, making creative problem solvers, creating creative problem solvers, what, uh, well, what comes to mind first for you? I think isn't like, can we, can we just agree that that's what the vast majority of business and industry needs for a successful future? Like there's going to be problems like COVID or competition or environmental, like there's, there's just, no business is allowed to rest on their laurels anymore. Right. It's just you're, you right. Things move too fast. Right. Well, and, now, and, you know, and, I, and, and I think some of those things that you mentioned, right. Without creative problem solvers on your team, they become, they become barriers yeah. instead of hurdles. So a yeah. creative problem solver turns them into hurdles, but if you don't have that, then they just seem immovable. Right. And then, and then you fail. A creative problem solver, uh, we'll see obstacles as opportunities. Yep. If we want to get alliterative about it, but um, yeah. no, no matter what it is, um, a new product to launch, some a new product that that's that's failing, like whatever it might be, creative problem solvers are what companies need more than anything else. Yep. Is that a fair statement? I, it is. I mean, you have to have you have to have those people on your team, right? Because otherwise you get stuck into this is the way we always did it, or you throw your hands up in the air and we just, we can't, right? Yeah. And we abandon, abandon hope. So I know I agree with that. And if we look at what's going on right now with the workforce and the needs and struggles that we're having with the, the, the labor market, we need creative problem solvers more than anything else to, right. to, to figure out what the solution really is for that. Right, right. No, instead, I, of, I in, instead of everybody throwing their hands up there and just assuming, oh, nobody wants to work. And using that as the global excuse why we're not solving this problem or the regional whatever excuse why we're not solving the problem. No, why? where are our creative problem solvers from our organizations in the region getting together to try to really find out what's going on here when it comes right. to people right. wanting to work, for lack of a better way to say it. Yep, yep. And, you know, I, I think that what comes to mind for me, right? So, I, so, yes, I agree with that. That is what companies need. And, you know, when I think about what kind of characteristics a person has for that, right, 
One is, well, I guess two things come and they, to mind and they're, they're, they go hand in hand, I think. One is somebody that's not afraid to fail. Um, actually three things. They're, they're not afraid to fail, which to me also then kind of um, implies a growth mindset rather than a fixed mindset. And then the flip side is the way that they do it. I mean, it, it's fine to not be afraid to fail and have a growth mindset, but if you don't have a way to actually grow or make progress, it's hard. So the other thing for me that comes hand in hand is, is the scientific method, right? It's like, yeah. well, yeah. let's see what it is. Let's, let's put a hypothesis, uh, hypothesis up there. Let's test it and let's see what happens. And they don't look at, oh, well, that's not what I expected. That's not a failure. That's just an opportunity for, okay, well, we're one step closer to understanding what the problem is, right? Yeah. So I, I think that those are the kinds of people that you need that are willing to just get out there and maybe try some crazy stuff, right? I mean, foundationally, what you just described is a design thinking mindset and uh, uh, working in that framework, right? So if yep. you're going to say, what skills should a creative problem solver have? Uh, what training do they need? I think training in design thinking is, is a foundational piece of that. I agree. It's 100% bias towards action, um, failing fast, iterating. And foundationally, it is also the design thinking methodology is really a scientific method as well. Yep. No, absolutely. And, and then you have to have, I think the other piece in that, right. And, and maybe this is where other parts of the team, you know, come together. Um, right. Is you have to, they, cause it's hard to have all of these aspects in one person, but on your team anyway, you have to have those people that can do that. And you also have to have those people that can, um, inject some discipline into it. Right. It's not just, yeah. it's not just throwing stuff up on the wall to see what sticks in a random fashion and not being afraid to fail. It's, it's that discipline of then looking at what happened and taking learnings from that adjusting and then moving on. Right. So like your team, your creative problem solving team has to have that kind of that person that like, likes to put guardrails on things. Yeah. Right. Now they might not be the best person to ask about what experiment we should do next but they might be the best people to process that and figure out what we learned right and and you got to have all those aspects on your team and i think you you bring up a good point and something you really need to talk about what is creativity right um right. creativity is not i i'm in a world of anything and everything and can do whatever i want and pull all these resources together creativity comes from having constraints right um, right. we, we may be dating ourselves here, but, uh, MacGyver, yeah. <laughs> MacGyver, who most people would think was a creative, um, problem solver, um, his creativity come, came from every single constraint that he right. had and a whole lot of TV magic, but right. Well, and you know, we, when we were doing boot camps together, right. Um, one of the things that I used to always tell the classes when we're trying to design something, right. So we'd always have our capstone projects, or there'd be some problem, I would always tell them that these are engineering problems, not scientific research problems, right? We're not, we are not trying to come up with the best solution that has ever come out of this given unlimited resources and unlimited yeah. time. We are coming up with the best we can come up with, with the five things we have in our pocket right now, Yeah. right? Just like MacGyver did. And that's, yeah, those constraints, you know, it, like what, what was, uh, uh, necessity is the mother of invention, right? Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta get there. So Stephen Johnson, um, Stephen Johnson would come back a little bit. That play is also the mother of invention, but uh, 
Oh, I, w- I would agree with that, right? I, yep. I would I would agree with that. Both, right? Both, both, both are are the wellspring for where innovation comes from. The the necessity based, and then the just plain and doing things. Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, absolutely. So I, I think that yeah. So you, you have to have there's kind of a yin and yang there, right? There's that there is that play and there's the exploration, but to get to uh to get to because the other thing, right? These problems are time boxed, right? It's not yeah. infinite. Yes. And so to get there and to get it, to get a solution that's going to work on time, there's a lot of discipline that has to go into that, right? It's, it's harnessed creativity, it's harnessed play. And then you got to direct that. So, you know, again, not every person, I mean, it's, it's probably unrealistic, right? To say, well, we all need to have all of these traits all of the time, right? Because well, we don't. But you can put a team together that complements the other members on the team to be able to move that forward and everybody can lean into their strengths and everybody can, you know, complement and pick up their weak, you know, everybody else's weaknesses. Right. Yeah. And, you know, so just to piggyback on that a little bit and and give some love to Northwest Ohio and the rest of our rural um, areas, you want to solve a problem, get a farmer in the room. 100%. 100%. I mean, their, their lives depend on solving problems every single day, right? Um, yep. and, and, and adapting to things that are out of their control. Um, you get a bunch of engineers in the room, and we love you engineers, but you're going to try to solve the problem like an engineer. Yep. It could be a farmer there with a freaking pin that just <laughs> gets, well, gets, and that's gets that thing, line right? running and, again, and, right? And, and they've had to figure out, like, they're not, you know, so they're not mechanical engineers. They're not professional welders. They're not whatever. But you know what? give them some steel and a problem and a welder and some bolts, and they're going to come up with something that works. And they'll figure it out, which they'll is what, it out. which is what creative problem solving is. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. That's, that's true. So that's, you know, kind of the, the right, the team. And, well, you know, I think there's, I think there's more to talk about with the team though, Yeah. because, because there's one really important piece about the team that, that we need to have on the same page and and that is communication right so in right. order to get everybody on the same page it's it's communication and i think an valuable asset to every team of creative problem solvers is going to be uh for lack of a better phrase a universal translator yes as someone who can speak enough geek speak enough ceo speak enough um uh general laborer on the ground boots on the ground type person um yep and and help everyone understand the the shared mission that they're all on even though one person may be here, here, and three, four, five, all over the place. Like, what is our destination? How are we synergizing? Does everyone clearly understand what we're trying to accomplish? Right. Who is that person then is responsible for making sure everybody knows what they need to know when they need to know it? Well, and I think to even piggyback on that, right, that person um, also, not only, not only are we talking about being able to speak the different languages, but there needs to be somebody there that make sure all the voices are heard. Yeah. Right. Because you're going to have, um, you're going to have really loud extroverts. You're going to have, but you're going to have some introverts on that team that have just as good ideas as somebody else, but they're not necessarily going to, you're not going to, they're not just going to come forth. We got to maybe pull it out or give them again, the space right on that team to be able to communicate that. Every team needs a coach. Yep. And every team needs an assistant coach. So that the players can tell the assistant coach what they're afraid to tell the coach because the right. coach is going to throw a chair. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was a good Bobby yeah. Knight reference. Yeah, like there, that, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, but but you're right, right? I mean, 
so it's it's a coach or a facilitator, right? Every yeah. team needs that facilitator um, to be able to, and it's and, it, and it's that person, right? Um, you know, we, we call them like glue, like the team glue, whatever, but also that person that is in, just like a coach is looking at the big picture and, and always, you know, managing that big picture and looking at that big picture so that everybody else can dive deep into whatever it is that they're doing. Right. Yeah. Well, and just go back to the assistant coach idea a little bit, right. That the coach has to be consistently stoic and bigger picture consistently. Right. And, and yep. only really gets to celebrate the big victory. Like, right. because even if there's a small victory, you know, you're leading it at the end of the third quarter, there's a lot of more game left. Um, right. I think the assistant coach or the person playing that assistant coach role is the one who is really managing the team culture and celebrating those small victories and making sure that those voices are heard and then yep. able to um, uh, be that translator between leadership and the leadership of the team and the team itself. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So what's interesting is, we, you know, we started this with talking about the need of creative problem solvers and it immediately went into creative problem solving teams, right? Because yeah. it's hard to, I mean, there are people, there are unicorns out there that can do all of those things well, but you probably don't have 10 of them on in your company, right? Yeah. You might have one or two. But you need a lot of these teams that can go ahead and do this and everybody, because that's the other thing, right? You need to let people, you want to maximize people's potential and their contribution, right? In your company. And you can't, you know, those, you got to help them out. Right. And that's why we have teams, right? So that that people can complement each other. And I think those unicorns are better at, here we go, whipping out the first book, right? Being a multiplier. Right. For, for everybody else. Right. If, if, yep. if, if I'm a unicorn in my company and I argue sometimes I, I, I'm a unicorn with, well, you can just for whatever reasons, I get tired <laughs> from, from right. the doing of the thing all the time. Right. But having a team that I can mentor um, and, and multiply their effectiveness and inevitably maybe replicate some of who I am, dear God, that's a little scary. What I do and how I understand things, um, that's where we're going to have the most value uh, as an organization in a region, creating more multipliers. I mean, that's when it all becomes exponential and a region just booms and becomes a, a design innovation hub, tech hub, whatever, you know, you yeah. want to put in front of hub. Right. Well, and, you know, and that's the, you know, in my consulting role, right, with uh, that's what I'm doing with process and training um, with, you know, one of the companies I'm working with right now. Um, I don't own the processes. I don't live that process, but I can come in and help them, you know, help them get better at what they do and take a step back and look at the bigger picture and put the pieces together and let them, you know, but let them have that space to maybe come up for air a minute and say, you know, wow, yeah, this has been a problem, but if we would just do X, Y, and Z, it'd be, it'd be done. And I can sit there and go, oh, well, all you need is X, Y, and Z. Okay. Here's X, Y, and Z. You guys are good. Right. But they haven't had the space or the time or haven't, you know, because they're just, they're, they're, they're just going, it, it they're goes, just making it happen every day. And they're, they're not, they don't have any time to come up for air. It goes so, back to the story. I think I brought it up before the one from seven habits of highly effective people where the boots on the ground are making progress and 
somebody up top yells, Hey, you're going the wrong way. And the reply back is, but we're making progress. But so, right. um, so yeah, we've, you know, creative problem solvers is what we need. The more of them we have, the better our teams of creative problem solvers right. are the skills that they need, right. Design thinking, good communication skills, um, technical growth skills, obviously, right. A growth, yep. growth mindset, yep. but then obviously yep. a variety of technical skills. Right. You need to your you point, need- right. You know, get a, get a, probably, you know, if you can get a farmer and, you know, and a teacher and, you know, maybe a a lawyer and a fireman (laughs) or something in the room, right. Because they all come at it from different perspectives. Um, You're going to get a better solution than if you have just a bunch of lawyers or just a bunch of engineers or whatever, probably you get a good solution. If you have just a bunch of farmers, that probably works pretty well. Right. You you just said I think a key a key word which is an uh, interesting place for us to talk about right now and let's get them in the room. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We've got this whole um, remote work. Hey, you should come to the office. Yada yada. And it's it's I hate it, Ward. Everything is presented as this or that. It, it even goes back to you know where you and I have our hearts is in the education space of online or or remote. Right. Let's use the best of both worlds for what they're Agreed. designed for. If I, if, if, if I need to be locked in a cubicle or my office to get my work done, beautiful thing. I can do that from home. If I need to be solving problems and working with a team, it, we need to be in the same room with at least a piece of paper and some markers and maybe some coffee and or alcohol. I mean, that's just yep. how, how, I, things, I how things happen. Yep. And the, yeah. And, and, you know, you and I do a pretty good job being, two hours apart from each other, but we've also been in a lot of rooms together over yeah. the years. Yeah. Um, but still from time to time, we need FaceTime too, right? Where, you know, it just, it's good to touch base in person and, you know, with, and, and, and agreed, right. If you want to get there and really see what's going on, you need to walk the room, right. You know, again, with some of the consulting that I'm doing, some of the process stuff or how this, how is this project going? You need to go down there and walk it, yeah. right? Look at it, touch it, feel it, talk to the people and look at them and see how they're really feeling. Cause an email or a phone call or whatever, you, you miss a lot in a zoom call, you miss a lot. Right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah you know, in if, the room is important. If you and I uh, were going to build a course on creative problem solving, one of the first things that we would do is we would get us together uh, you and I would, would rent a room somewhere with, with a whiteboard or multiple yep. whiteboards um, and probably call some of, the, of our connections in the space. You know, it might be somebody from a, a company, um, industry, you have a variety of voices in the room and right. just diagram the thing. And just, yep. just there's a different energy when people are in the room together, standing up, everybody, you can pass the markers, you give everybody an opportunity to participate that I've never seen fully replicated in any type of online, online engagement. I, 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 I agree hundred percent, hundred percent. So, so yeah, so, so that, I, I think there's, and, and I think, you know, one thing I want to make sure we don't imply, right. Is that even though everybody isn't going to be super strong in all these areas, right. That's not a mm-hmm. cop out to say that you, that everybody shouldn't have a growth mindset, right? You right. need, right. You need to have that growth mindset. You need to think about the scientific method or design thinking, right? Everybody needs to get in there, but everybody then has a role to play. That's going to lean into their strengths, but we kind of all have to start from that, you know, from that core list of, you know, this is, this is how you got to think about this to be 
a creative problem solving team, right? Right, right. So, because if you have somebody in there with this a fixed mindset and, you know, and is, is terrified of failure, they're going to bring down the team. Well, what'll happen is the team will just ignore them. Yeah. And, and, and that would be where I think the assistant coach would, would identify and get that person the, the training support that they need to, to grow, 100%. right? Like the team right. has to help creative problem solvers help each other learn and grow. Right. Well, and that's a good segue into what kind of environment. Yeah. As, as, as if I'm a company owner or employer, or I, you know, I'm, I'm a director of a team or whatever, what kind of environment do I need to have to foster creative problem solving? And right there, like you said, is being able to coach people up and give them the yeah. opportunity to learn and grow right into and, and acquire these skills so that they can effectively participate on these teams. Right. And I truly think that where you start is with the physical environment. I think the physical environment that you put people in directly, indirectly, whatever it might be, sets the mental mindset for what you're going to do. Yep. Um, if I'm in a big, wide open space uh, with some comfortable chairs and some coffee, uh, I'm going to socialize. If I'm in a space where there's whiteboards everywhere, some good bright lights, some activity going on, that's where I'm going to collaborate. And if yep. I'm in a space where um, it's really, it's kind of quiet, you know, I've got a nice clean workspace, that's where I'm going to do my focused work. Right. Which well, and brings me, us to. Right. Hey. <laughs> deep work. Yeah. Uh, we yes. Cal Newport. Well, right? you know, but here's, here's the other thing that, and I, I've had the opportunity to, you know, work with a company that doesn't do thought work like we do, that they do real physical stuff. They're an electrical contractor and they make things in yeah. the physical world. But what the point that you just made is 100% applicable there. So they have a prefab facility that does some manufacturing. And one of the things that we went in, we were just looking at process. Well, we started, before we started with process, we started with space. Yeah. And one of the things that they did really well from the beginning is it's their workspace is reconfigurable. Yeah. They have a bunch of big tables on wheels, and those big tables can be stuck together for a really, really long table. They could be, you know, all individual small stations. You can put them together two or four at a time to make bigger workstations. But that fosters creativity. Now I have this tool where, okay, well, we got, you know, this assembly we got to build. It's this big. Great. Grab, you know, four of these tables, put them in this way, this line up. Here's, you know, every problem now has an environment that you can solve that problem in or you can make that thing happen. But if it was fixed and there was just one set of workbenches that had to fit everything, now it's not so good, right? So I think that physical space applies to, any kind of work, right? Whether it's thought work or physical work, it's manufacturing, it's, you know, building buildings, whatever that is, your environment fosters more or less creative thinking. I'll, I'll go back to, I'll go back to my time at, at college where my first lab that I was in was a computer lab with desks from the 1970s that were positioned where they were because of where the outlets were in the floor for the old typing classes. Right. right? Um, now I had to create a problem solve in that class because standing in front of the class with a whole bunch of people with two monitors screaming at them and you're not being able to see it when every time I would talk to them, you never knew what was going on. If they were paying attention, hyper distracted, I ended up putting the whiteboard in the back of the room Yep. and make them turn around. But 
there was no space for us to get up and move and be adaptive. So just by sub subliminal or room setup, right? We were fixed, right? What we were do, what we were able to do was completely fixed in place, just like you said. When I got my new lab and we got the mobile tables and everything else, it, it presented this mentality. We can do anything with just moving the space around. And I think that that's another uh, part of the culture that you have. We can do anything with this company. We just got to talk about how we're going to move the stuff around. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, so I think, so, right. So if you are a, if you're a, a, a you know, a leader of a company, right. Space. Yeah. Um, intentional with the design, right? Be like, intentional with the design of the how space. Do you want what people kind of culture to move through right? it, all of that stuff. Like what, what's even there, there, right? Like yep. if I've got an innovation lab, uh, I'm going to have some Legos hundred percent because Lego is probably one of the most innovative companies. Hi, Lego, call me, uh, that I've ever, that I've ever researched or looked into. Right. Um, right. And, and I think from there, the culture really then the envi physical environment, then the culture is going to come from leadership. I mean, that's more than anything else. I think leaders understanding creativity, what it is, creative mindset, what innovation needs, the permission to fail, the, the um, constraints, like you said about, okay, if we do fail, how do we learn, make sure we learn from it and not just learn from it as individuals or a team, but as a wider organization, all of right. that stuff boils into great communication, room to, room to learn and grow, and then investing in your people because this isn't a one and done thing in any way, shape, or form. I mean, it's it's a, it's a it's a constant process, yeah. right? And and you gotta you gotta let people um, sharpen the saw, right? You gotta let them get better, um, and you can't just yeah. So and, and yeah, you agreed. To, you have to also understand if we go back to Stephen Johnson and that, that he's got that great video on playful innovation, right? Where it talks about how computers came from uh, automatons and and. Uh, Yep. pianos that played the music, whatever it was. Um, um, if a comp, if an organization can understand that giving your people some place to just play around on some side projects or other things, they may not directly contribute to what you're doing, but one, it's it's probably helping that person kind of just let give their brain a break. Number yep. two, I bet you some way, shape, or form, and this is hard. Why well, it's hard to quantify. Some solution they come up with down the road is going to be tied back to something they were playing with previously. Right. Well, and th this isn't directly related to that, but I, um, I was talking to somebody um, who went out to a company and they have that kind of culture where you can, you know, where you can, you can fail. And but one of the things that they did, which is really kind of cool, is to make it okay, they would actually have a funeral for some of these projects. It's <laughs> nice. like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, they'd <laughs> have a wake. <laughs> nice. They'd have a wake for it. But what was really interesting is they were having a wake for that. And some guy from another department came in and looked at it and goes, holy moly, that's exactly the problem I need to solve for this other thing. Over here. Yeah. So in, in like to your point, you, you, you never know where that's going to uh, go. Uh, let's, and, let's, let's think about it. Right. Uh, uh, like family, an organization is a family. There's some family you avoid at all costs. Right. But you do come together at funerals. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, and I should have brought this book. I don't have it in front of me. It's in the bookshelf behind me, but the other, the other thing that that brings up is the book range. 
right? Mm-hmm. Where if we're so specialized, yeah, right. And so the, the whole thing about range is, you know, t- the Tiger Woods approach versus the Roger Federer approach. Yeah. But if you have range and you've thought about a lot of different things and problem solved in a lot of different areas and played with a lot of different things, now when you come to a particular problem, you have many more resources to draw on to apply to that problem. And, you know, maybe, maybe that thing that you learned in, you know, some college class that wasn't part of your major or some side project that you did with a buddy, it's like, oh, you know what? I've seen a thing like this before. And I bet if we did this, we could, we could apply it this way. Right. And so that range and that breadth of, of knowledge is very important. And in some cases is as important or more important than depth. Right. Yeah. So that generalist yeah. versus specialist thing. Right. So, um, yeah. So having that ability to, to fail, fail fast, but again, in a disciplined way, we don't right. want people to learn from it. It's not failure. If you learn from it, I mean, that's it, exactly. It's, it's an iterative approach yeah. and, and having the, the kind of space both physically and, um, culturally, right. Yeah. To, to be able to, to solve these problems is, is super important because, People will learn quickly that if they try that and they get their hand slapped, you know yeah. what they're going to do? You know what? Uh, not my problem. And I'm right. just going to, I'm going to keep going with the status quo. Last time I spoke up, I got my hand slapped. I'm good. Or worse, they're going to take that uh, idea to a, to a competitor. Right. Right. <laughs> so cool. Well, or not, yeah, or not so cool, depending on if you're, <laughs> Well, that's not cool, but the conversation has been cool. I know what you're saying. I'm just messing with you because right, the conversation is cool. Yeah, you you do not want uh, you don't want people leaving. But yeah. on the other hand, if that's you know, it's predictable, right? And people- and, and I mean, if history tells us, that's where look at where all these huge tech companies have come from. They've come from people who've left other companies. Those ideas exist in your company. That next right. big idea exists in your company. What are you as a company, as an organization doing to make sure that it's yours and not well, somebody else's? And, and, you know, and a couple of things here, you know, to kind of tag on to that before we wrap up one, right. At some point, right. Compensation is, is kind of a wash, right. Yeah. What people want after a certain level of compensation is they want interesting work. Yeah. They want fulfilling work. Meaningful. Right? Yeah. Meaningful, meaningful work. work. Yeah. Exactly. And then the, the flip side is, you know, not only are you going to lose those, if you don't give them that sense of meaningful work and that culture that, that they can thrive in, you know, you're going to lose those people. But, you know, um, I was, I remember a, a PDF that was put out by O'Reilly mm-hmm. talking about your, your, your people. And, you know, everybody thinks about, well, I have to have this much capital in money to be able to do the things, you know, I'm going to budget for this, but a lot of times your limiting factor is not your money. It's your people's skills or your people's um, willingness or ability to, to keep up with you. Right. And if you don't invest in that yeah. all of the time, your money is going to outstrip your skill. And then it doesn't matter how much money you have yeah. because you're not going to be able to accomplish what you need to accomplish. So I guess then that, that's that, that goes back to what we said at the beginning, that assistant coach with the culture, making sure that we invest in those people to keep everybody coming along as we all grow as an organization. And, you know, that's a, that's a really great upward cycle, right? Yeah. 
The, but you got to be intentional about it if you're if you're a leadership, right? Investing in those people who become the assistant coaches. Right. Absolutely. Like you invest in everybody, but I think for most bang for your buck, if you're going to get started out, who are those in between in between folks yep. that yep. are the ones that have the trust of up and down and are able to translate up and down because yep. more than anything else, that communication. Um is the foundational piece of all of this. Yeah. A great, a great, a, the best NBA team, the, the team that wins NBA championship, it might not be the best skilled, but it will darn sure be the one that communicates the best. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And back to your first book that you showed there, right? Those people, we talked about kind of the unicorns being the multipliers, but those assistant coaches are multipliers, right? And I think you can build unicorns too. I, I think you can. can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. cool. We'll All talk right. about that next time. <laughs> yes, yes. Always, always a pleasure. It's 11 11. I'm going to make a wish. All right. And I'm not telling you because it'll, we'll see. All right. Well, hope then time. it'll come true. Right on. All right. Well, it's All been right, good talking to you. Yep. Good catching up, man. Until next time. Bye. Later.